It was Christmas Eve morning, and the man picked up the phone to call his son. Son, he said, I've been married to your mother for 42 years, and enough is enough. I've had it up to here, and I'm leaving today. I can't talk about it anymore. You phone your sister. In panic, the son picked up the phone and called his sister. She was living and working overseas. Dad has just phoned, said the son, to say that he's leaving mum today. Like heck he is, said the sister. You leave this to me. She picked up the phone and rang her dad. Dad, she said, you are going nowhere and you are going to do nothing today. I'm getting a flight this afternoon and my brother and I will be with you tomorrow. We can talk about it all then. The old man put the phone down and looked tenderly across at his wife. Well, dear, he said, the children are coming for Christmas <laughs> and they're paying their own fare. What shall we do for the new year? <laughs> we have a longing for home. It's a longing for that place where we belong, that is safe and secure, where we are known and loved, and where we can love, and where we can be, and where we can become truly the person we were meant to be. We may try and find that home in different ways, and much of that will depend on our own experiences of home as a child. Some of us will look for home in a completely different place. I guess that may be the reason why some of us are here. And often at Christmas, that longing for home is stronger. I don't know what it is, Maybe it's the magic of it, the candles, the light shining in the dark nights, carols and Christmas music, feel-good films or movies, memories of Christmas past, John Lewis adverts, that's one for people from the UK, children who can't sleep because they're so excited, the wonder, even the snow, Finally, I can sing, or I hope I can sing, in the bleak midwinter, snow had fallen, snow on snow, with some integrity. <laughs> of course, the reality is very different. It's the time when those on their own can feel their isolation the most, and when those who have lost people most feel their emptiness. And even when we get together, we know that it will not live up to what we expect because we're human and we're self-centered. We're driven by desires that we don't understand and are bigger than us, and we're messed up. And there will be the feeling that others are taking us for granted. There will be the arguments and the disappointments. As someone quipped, Jesus said, love your enemies, and he gave us families to practice on. <laughs> but that still does not diminish the longing 
the longing for home. Well, the message that I would like to bring this Christmas is very simple. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, left his home in heaven and he made his home here with us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He became an expat. He didn't do that because he was unhappy at home or because he was bored and needed a new experience or because he wanted to prove his independence. Far from it. The home in heaven he left really is the perfect home. It's the home where all truly belong. It's the home where each person is known and loved and is able to love. It's the home where we can be and can become truly the person we were meant to be. But Jesus left his home in heaven and came to earth to make his home with us. And because he is the eternal Son of God, the Word made flesh, he brings a sample of that home in heaven with him. And Jesus invites us to become part of his home and he welcomes us into his home. Forgive a sentimental and rather Dickensian or Tolstoyan illustration. It's a bit like an orphaned, homeless child looking one cold Christmas day night with deep longing through the window of a fairy tale home with the Christmas tree and lights and festival food where the family are gathered together round the open fire and where they are at ease with each other. Only then to look up and realise that the father of that family is standing at the door, looking at him with a smile on his face and arms that are open wide. Kierkegaard tells the story of the prince who loved a peasant girl but he didn't know how to declare his love for her. He could, as prince, demand that she become his bride, but then he would never know if she freely loved him. He could reveal his love to her as prince, but then he would never know if she loved him or if she loved more the idea of being a princess. So in the end, He put aside his royal home and his royal robes and he made his home in her village, living as a peasant, and he wooed her as a peasant. It cost Jesus a great deal to live among us. He gave up the glory of heaven to be born in a cowshed. Before he was two years old, he was no different to those small children that we see on our televisions clinging to their mothers as their families flee persecution or conflict. And that's only the beginning. At the end, he is betrayed, falsely accused, mocked and stripped naked, impaled on a piece of wood with nails hammered through his wrists and feet. Our reading says he was in the world and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own and his own did not accept him. 
but he made his home here. And he went through that because he created you and he loves you. And he woos us and he wants us to come to our real home. Jesus came so that if you receive him, you can be part of him and he can be part of you. George MacDonald wrote, God's thoughts, his will, his love, his judgments are our home. To think his thoughts, to choose his will, to love his loves, to judge his judgments, and thus to know that he is in us and we are in him is to be at home. And whoever chooses to receive him, whoever listens to him and allows his word to come in and shape what we think and feel and do, and whoever permits him to make his home in us, can begin to know that sense of belonging and that deep security which comes from knowing that we are children of God and that our true home is not in the Philippines or India or Russia or wherever, but that our true home is where he is. I know that this can sound almost too good to be true, but that doesn't mean it is not true. And for 2,000 years, men and women, girls and boys, have put their trust in Jesus, and they have not been let down. And for those of you who have not received him, could I invite you simply to think about these things. In the new year, we'll be running a course for people who would like to think further. Please do speak to me. And for those of you who have put your trust in Jesus, could I urge you to hold lightly to the place that you now call home, even if it is where you have lived for three, five, ten, thirty or more years. Give thanks to God for it, Work so that it becomes a place of belonging and safety and beauty and growth. So that it becomes a place also of welcome and hospitality for others. But when it comes time to leave, of course there will be sadness. But then walk away. It was never your real home. That is elsewhere one of my hopes is that St. Andrew's might become a substitute home for all who find themselves far away from the place that they would call home, whether they have faith or no faith. I hope maybe we've done that tonight. Maybe the building, the Bible readings, the carols, the lights, the people do remind us of other times and places where we have lived of other places that were once home. But my prayer is also that they will point us forward and upwards to a different home, to our true home, which is both present and future, a home that is where Jesus is, in our hearts, if we let him in, and the home where one day he will receive us which is the ultimate fulfilling of all our longings.
May God bless you this Christmas time and may he bless your home.